Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 284 of the Spoiler Alert podcast, brought to you by MovieOutsiders.com. I'm Mike. I'm joined once again by my friend Danny. Tonight, we're recording the episode that people have been clamoring for for years. The Best Picture Choosing Machine has chosen 1959's epic Ben-Hur. Danny, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Mike. I am fully recovered from this episode. How about you? Fully recovered from this episode, from watching this, this movie? Was, this was an experience. Th- it yeah, was a it's push. A, it's, a full, it's like a full day affair. Yeah, I, it was a two-day affair for me. I did this one in two steps, yes. The film is just shy of four hours long. Yeah. Yeah, this that, is This, is this has to be the longest Best Picture winner, right? I mean, is there a longer movie to ever win Best Picture? I don't know the answer to that. We should have checked. I, I don't I know. Honestly, we don't fact check. I, honest, I honestly don't know. But before we get into what's up with, what's up with the <laughs> fact <laughs> that, that that the length of that movie includes a six and a half minute long overture, yeah. an intermission, and an entr'act yep. after that. Yeah. Like, like there's a solid 12 minutes that is just music. And it's a picture of, I don't know, the Sistine Chapel, the creation, Michelangelo's. Just, just the two fingers. The, the two yeah, fingers God touching, yes. Yeah. God and Adam, yeah. Like, that was that was a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. To start with a six and a half minute overture <laughs> really does feel like a kick in the drawers. There's, like, we're like, kind of like buckling in, like, okay, I know it's COVID quarantine and we've all got time, supposedly, but... But four hours in an evening is a lot, and to sit there for six and a half minutes just waiting can for you, anything. Can you imagine? Like, I know that the movie-going experience was different in 1959 than it is today, but can you imagine, like, getting to the movie theater with your family, getting your popcorn, sitting down, you're there, I don't know, 10 minutes early to get a good seat? 25 minutes 20, to get the trailers in. Right. Yep. And then you've got, the, you've got the commercials, then you've got the trailers, and then you've got... Six and a half minutes of an overture. Are you just like by that point, like the popcorn's gone, the kids are Candy's antsy, right? Icy's are, are empty. People are yep. sort of pissed. Yeah, my daughter yeah. has to go to the bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I actually turned to my wife who watched the first hour and a half of this with me and said the same thing. I said, if we were seeing this in the theater, you know, we'd be at the theater. <laughs> A good 30 minutes earlier so we could see the trailers. And she just looked at me like, I hate you. <laughs> I mean, just just the idea of this sounds terrible. But I'll tell you what. Um, the Academy did not hate this movie. Nominated for 12 Academy Awards. This freaking thing won 11 Academy Awards. Picture. Director. Actor, supporting actor, art direction, cinematography, costume design, special effects, film editing, music, and sound. The only thing it didn't win for was adapted screenplay. It's one of the only best pictures, I think maybe the only best picture that won a Visual Effects Academy Award plus best picture. Like, that doesn't happen anymore, right? Like, when when we, think about, really? when we think about modern movies... They wow, don't. That's shocking. They, they don't typically cross over. It's not a, uh, it, like Gravity was a Best Picture front runner that year. Didn't win one visual effects awards, but Twelve Years a Slave, of course, won Best Picture. Like sure. there, there's no crossover in that category any, category anymore. This one 
actually achieved that, which is sort of incredible. So 11, 11, like that's what, that's that Titanic and what else? What was, I think maybe there's one other that got this many awards. That's amazing. It's shocking. I think La La Land had more nominations though, right? Didn't La La Land come into the night with 13? Might have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't win Freaking those pictures. Yeah. Didn't win many. Right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, so the Academy so the Academy loved this movie. The Academy Other- loved this movie. You said you watched it in two sittings. I also watched it in two sittings. I just want to quick give a shout out to Amazon, which I feel like is definitely paying more attention to me than they should. Because I was watching this movie and probably somewhere around the two hour mark. I was losing interest and getting bored, and I paused it for the night and went to sleep. The next day, I started it again, and I was watching it, and after like 20 minutes, I was like, have I seen this before? And I realized that Amazon didn't pick up where I had paused it. Amazon picked up where I had lost interest. So technically, I rewatched like 25 (laughs) minutes but it was all stuff I hadn't really seen or given any attention to. So, like, I did see the entire movie. If they would have picked up right where I paused it, I would have lost a good 25 minutes of the movie. Good God. So, That's I guess, kudos? But it was, like, eerily right at the point where like, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Your I'm echo out. device was, like, hearing you and Anne, like, kind of chit-chatting at that point. It was like, oh, they're not you paying attention. I was checking attention. my phone. Yeah, yeah, like I was playing solitaire <laughs> instead of taking notes. And it was like, okay, he's done. Oh, and they just that's noted awesome. That, that it was shocking. Like, to the second when I stopped paying attention, that's when it picked up. Well, I'm I'm impressed with what you just said and how far you got because I wrote down here, I'm already bored and confused and made an attempt to check the time. And it was 18 minutes and 53 seconds. I was bored and confused with the film. So, like, I, I didn't even make it 25 minutes in. Before before we get in any further, do you want to hit us up with a quick plot recap for this four-hour-long movie? I will, and I will keep it as tight as I can for a, a nearly four-hour movie. But Let's seriously, folks, yeah. this thing's an epic. I mean, this is this is the Easter weekend Christian Forrest Gump story. This is the story of Judah Ben-Hur, a.k.a. Forrest Gump, who was alive during the time of Christ and who crossed paths either with Jesus or people looking for Jesus or people persecuting and killing Jesus multiple times in his life. Judah is a wealthy Jewish prince who lives in Jerusalem. He lives with his mom and his sister and their servants. And his good buddy, his old childhood chum, Masala, is now a tribune of Greece. Uh, and the Tribune here from Rome has decided that his buddy Judah Ben-Hur, played by, by the way, Charlton Heston, best actor winner, uh, is going to help him sort of support Rome and topple the Jewish dissidents. Judah does not do that. And during a parade, his sister accidentally knocks us a roofing tile onto, like, the governor... I guess, who almost dies on his horse. And Masala, his old buddy, who realizes that this was an accident, decides to punish Judah Ben-Hur by forcing him to uh, 
become like a rower on a Roman ship, like in the galley of a ship uh, for several years. And he also throws Judah's mom and sister in the dungeons and just sort of throws away the key. Judah, who everyone presumes will die at sea, does not. And in fact, he is an awesome rower and impresses his boss and then eventually saves his boss's life, who then takes him to Rome, adopts him, makes him wealthy again, and he returns to Jerusalem looking for his mom and his sister and ready for a little bit of revenge. He's told that his mom and sister are dead. Spoiler alert, they ain't and decides to take his revenge in the chariot race in what is, candidly, a really thrilling multi-minute, 12-minute or so uh, segment of the film, during which Masala, his childhood friend turned enemy, gets dragged behind a bunch of horses and trampled repeatedly to, like, bloody, bone-fragmented pulp. But before he dies, he does get the last laugh and tells Judah that his mom and his sister are in fact alive, but grody lepers. Judah nice. then finds his mom and his sister in the leper colony, takes them to Christ, but he is busy being tortured in his passion and dying before he can do anything about it. And that's the end of Ben-Hur. Crazy. There it is. Yeah, yeah. It's four hours of your life. But what did you think about her? Uh, it was it was a push. This was this was dry, and I felt really drawn out and boring. In most parts, I found that the interactions with Jesus were kind of heavy-handed and almost sort of like chuckle-inducing. And uh, yeah, I didn't like this movie really at all. In in, in almost any part. I, there's a few things that I liked about it, but I felt like I could have dealt with that in a 20-minute movie. How about you? Wow. Uh, I, when looking at my notes, I did write several times, I am just so bored. Who can pay attention through this? This is agony. So clearly in watching it, I was struggling. But I will tell you, I was taken aback time and time and time and time again by the scale of this movie. Yeah. This sure. might be the biggest movie I've ever seen. I mean, I think there legitimately were 10,000 extras in this movie. This movie yes, is absolutely monumental in scale. The costumes, the sets, the extras, the longest musical score in, in I think, cinema history, if not Oscar history. It was... Um, just staggeringly, gigantically, hugely big. And I feel like, especially for 1959, that's super impressive. Uh, again, the first Academy Awards were, what, 1928? Yeah. yeah so this is like the good. 31st. I mean, 30 years in the Academy Awards, and we have the biggest movie of all time. Um, maybe unparalleled since. Pretty impressive. And so those things, I really just... Not ten thousand extras. I mean, right, right, exactly. Like, I mean, this is no, no. This is huge. This is epic in scale. Titanic yes. costs more money, um, but I just think the size of it was so grand that every time I was getting annoyed with it, I could just sort of step back and at least appreciate the sheer amount of work and effort and craft that went into making it. 
And so that took my breath away. Kind of like, I guess I feel similar to the way I felt about Lawrence of Arabia, where grand, beautiful, enormous, vast, but kind of boring. But I could at least appreciate that they don't make them like this anymore. I mean, they legitimately do not make them like this at all anymore. And so those reasons, I, I could get behind it. Also, the fact that it's largely a revenge story, I mean, it has some sort of meat on sure. the bone, like yeah. from a drama standpoint. But it was also just such a Forrest Gumpish story of like, he's this wealthy guy who gets sent to the prison galleys. But guess what? He's awesome at the prison galleys. And then he meets the boss. And guess what? The boss loves it. The, the boss adopts him. He becomes like a Roman emperor guy's son and also super wealthy again. And guess what? When he gets home, his slaves are still waiting for him. And this whole time they kept his fortune secret. So he's actually got two fortunes waiting for him. Um, It's just sort of like everything that could kind of happen to a guy happens to this guy. And so – that gets a little old. I think the Forrest Gump weird. analogy, I think, is a good one. I, I wrote down the same things that you already said. The costumes, the extras, the colors. This Blu-ray looked amazing. Like, I, I don't know if you watched it on, you know, 4K or whatever. Okay. I did digital okay. on Amazon. I mean, it was, yeah. it's such a beautiful spectacle of a picture. I mean, it, every, every still of this movie would be a frameable picture. It's just to me so dry in so many parts. I I feel like this, this really could have been truly a two hour movie. I really would have, have thought, I, I think that there's some really drawn out scenes. I mean, even the scenes where they're, where the men are, you know, rowing the ship, you know, all the slaves that are, are steering this ship this thing goes on for like 17 minutes. I swear. Like it's just, it just never ends. And I felt like, boy, these are, these are editable moments. For sure. Except maybe any scene with Hugh Griffith, the guy who won best supporting actor, uh, he played, boy, what is the character's name? It's a Sheik Ilderim. One best supporting actor. Was he in like blackface? He absolutely was. He was a he's I mean, a British it actor. Yes. So yeah. it looked so over the top, like they had like shoe polish yeah. on yeah, his it face, rough. and so like that's. I was like, uh, I just I'm gonna go ahead and say that's not his skin tone. <laughs> so I don't think you could freeze frame and hang or frame any of those scenes. Fair enough. Today. We'll avoid those. Yeah. But just about right. everything okay. else. Good. Good call. Uh, Pretty amazing. I'm going to take this off my and wall. And I thought the guy yeah. who played <laughs> your huge framed picture of Hugh Griffith. Like in the movie, like not even just like winning the award that night, but like from, from the movie. It's sort of <laughs> just all in brown face. Um, the guy who played Masala, I don't have his name. I thought he did a fine yeah. job. Um, and again, it just, you know, who the, uh, Best director, William Wyler, you know, the producers all just did an amazing job. I mean, I just think to pull something this off, it's like six seasons of Game of Thrones in a four hour movie. That's how grand it was. So you got to give it props for that. And then the the big detractor is that it was boring. 
is that it took a long time. But like the chariot race scene, I thought was thrilling. That was exciting. It was well shot. Yep. yep. The effects were pretty amazing, yep. especially given how old it is. But like, I mean, there were guys. There were a couple of guys who got trampled, but nothing like Masala. I mean, he came out like <laughs> he was like just he a was a pile of mush, piece yeah, of yeah, that's, garbage. That, that was gross. Yeah, yeah, he was. It was yeah. brutal, and it just the camera just hung on him like oh, like I mean, you're just shouting. So I think, like, oh my I think gosh. the movie was like budgeted Terrible. for seven million, which was just unprecedented at the time. It ballooned by the time they wrapped up to being a fifteen million dollar picture. Like this, and this was at the time the movie that was going to make or break MGM Studios. Like they were either going to sink or swim on the success of this movie. And of course it came out like gangbusters and everybody saw it. And I know we were talking about a different era in movie making when this thing was probably in the theaters for a year and everybody went and saw it three times. Right. And by the second time you saw it, you knew you could arrive seven minutes in because it's just the overture. Yeah. Right. Right. Shame on you. If you kept showing up on time. Right. But there are so many what's up with like, I mean, even just the moment, like when he first meets Masala and again, these are childhood buddies who are just meeting each other, kind of being reintroduced here. And it is a solid 30 seconds of just quiet smiling and laughing. (laughs) Just so awkward. Like this thing won best film editing. And yet there's this awkward, really pregnant pauses of them just giving each other like the weird knowing eyes What's like it? huh <laughs> i know you huh way, way too long i way agree too with long. you way What's up with the too sound long. yeah, of, yeah, yeah. And again this this one sound uh i think as well What's up with the sound of babies crying in old movies how it always sounds like a robot like like this weird kind of creepy uh, it, it just sort of robotic, metallic sound, and that's what happened early in the movie. Yeah. Uh, what's up with this movie giving us an immediate example of why you shouldn't talk politics and religion, <laughs> even with an old friend? I mean, these two guys are like lifelong buddies. They're so excited, and within like 10 minutes, they get into politics and religion, and they're basically <laughs> sworn right, enemies right, by the right. end of this conversation. I mean, it's like walking in, seeing your best friend after a five-year hiatus, and they're wearing a <laughs> Make America Great hat again, and you just immediately go there, and just it just What's devolves. With- <laughs> you know, totally, like- totally true. Yes, and and we've actually all been there now, right? Like, like, like at this point in our lives, we've we've had one of these moments. Oh, yeah, sure. That's why yeah, you shouldn't yeah, do it? Yeah. What's up with how they yeah. drink their wine with their arms interlocked? Like, like those same friends, like, like oh. wrap their arms around one another, like, and they drink their wine with, with the elbows. Yeah. That was like a wedding that was toast. Creepy. Yeah. Like a weird, and it's only like a wedding toast that you like, like the bride and groom are forced to do because one drunk uncle is we like, for the picture. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually will say what's up with, I, I thought the moment when Jesus gives him water it's like at the hour and five minute mark when he's just about ready to die of thirst and you don't see Jesus's right. face. It's just from the back. Somebody gives them water. I actually did get goosebumps at that scene. I thought that moment and the music and like the way it was shot that you didn't see him. 
really, I found very powerful. And then, of course, later when Judah at the very end sees Jesus and realizes this is the guy that gave me water. I mean, obviously it was telegraphed many times before of course, then. Yes, right. But when he sees him, I, I really felt the power of that reconnection and thought, wow, that was a legitimately pretty cool moment in in I film. preferred that scene even over the chariot race. I thought that it was very impressive and and touching. What's up with Charlton Heston's mouth and teeth? They're sort of horse-like, right? Out of both. Okay. Yep. Speaking yep. of Charlton Heston and his horse mouth, what's up with how affectionate he was to those horses before the chariot race? Like, was he getting a little touchy with them before he got on the chariot? He, he might have been, but not nearly as much as their owner, the guy that Hugh Griffith plays. What's up with that sequence when the sheik brings his four horses into his tent in the evening to say goodnight to them all? And he's talking to them and he's like sweet talking them. Also, what's up with the fact that horses yawn? Have you ever seen a horse yawn? No, but I hadn't. I'm, I'm sort of, that was I'm sort of kind creeped of disturbing. out by horses in general. They're big bowling ball eyes and their giant horse mouth. Boy, when the when the lips pull back and you see the, the amount of gums and teeth just kind of like almost like an alien like face sucker shooting out of the mouth like, oh my gosh, but that's just his teeth and gums. It was so gross. Yeah, yeah it is. Just a yawn. It is. Yeah, what's uh, up with that? What, What's up with there's a scene where Charlton Heston is is kind of falling in love with Esther and they're talking in this this giant room that looks all romantic and Esther keeps talking about her father bringing her to that room in the past it looks like a sex room like like there's all these like couches laid oh, out sure. and, and pillows on the floor and stuff yeah, like yeah. that why why was her dad bringing her there most rooms in this movie look like a weird <laughs> sex room right. And there's a couple of scenes in like the Roman baths and a bunch of dudes in like Roman soldiers outfits totally, and kind of totally each other. erotic. Yes. Totally Very erotic. Yes. Another scene that I actually found powerful, but it was disturbing is when the guards go to open the cell door that his mother and sister have been locked in for years. The way that that door opens and how thick it is and how hard it is for them to open, you really get the sense no one has opened this door in five years. <laughs> I mean, this, and of course, then there are lepers inside, but like five years, five years, the door hasn't been opened. What's been going on with the toilet situation in there? I mean, I understand they're not getting a lot of food and water, but five years. Somebody needs to poop. Yeah, yeah. That, right. that room is full. That room is full. What's going on with that? They did not address where is the waste going because it's drastic. But the door itself, and when they opened it, it was like, oh my gosh, can you imagine? They've been locked in this room for five years. It's like it's the like hinges of the inner sanctum. Yeah, yeah, right, right. What's up with the belching scene where, like, Charlton Heston burps after his meal and then they want him yeah. to burp again? Like, I, I, I had to jot down, I can't remember a movie with a lot of belches or any belches, even, like, gross-out comedies. And then I couldn't stop thinking about Big with Tom Hanks. When they go when when they go to that hotel in New York and the guy just belches behind the door when they ask for a room, and that's the only time I could remember a belch on celluloid. Got it. I I always think of Elf when Buddy oh, yes. burps for like yes. twelve seconds straight, and then says, "Did you hear that?" 
<laughs> That's what we do at our house. Um, I got to be honest and say the leper scenes, what's up with how gross they were? They were nasty. I, yeah. I didn't want to see or touch or smell any oh the lepers. Yeah. They did a good job because they seemed pretty nasty. But what's up with at the end? I didn't understand. So Jesus is crucified. He dies. The sky opens up. There's the storm. And then his mom and his sister are just healed. Was everybody healed that day? Were they healed because they they didn't have faith in Jesus because they never met him or saw him speak? They were just kind of brought there by Esther, yeah, who right. she had faith. So I just didn't understand. It felt like very tidy that the two of them would be like, poof, never mind. You're all good. Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't understand that. I didn't either. That What's it, up it with that? It was also confusing to me. What was the name of his best friend who he had to compete against in the chariot race? Uh, Charles Masala. Masala. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what's up with Masala being allowed to have a chariot that has those like crazy spokes? Like, why wouldn't right. everybody do that? Also, right. why is Charlton Heston's character, Judah, the only one not wearing like armor and a helmet in that chariot race? Like every single other competitor is like covered in head to toe metal. Yet Charlton Heston is like shirtless. He's wearing like a loincloth. It's so stupid. He also, he also didn't. He didn't whip his horses. He was just using the reins to sort of cheer them on. He was like such a good guy. He was such a mensch. Yeah, right. He was protected by the power of being a mensch. Speaking of Masala, like there's a scene where he's he's showing how powerful he is with his whip and the sound effect of that whip, <laughs> yes. like. It, like, just shattered the speakers of the television. But he's kind of, like, just limply, like, dropping it on the floor. It's, it's just, it's just the most... flopping rid- it around. Yeah. And <laughs> it's, it. yeah. It's so, so stupid. Yeah, yeah, that was yes. another bad scene. What's up with the governor of Judea watching the chariot race looking bored as hell the entire time? Like, they cut to him at least a dozen times. And I swore by the twelfth time you were going to see him sleeping. Like he has no interest in the outcome of this race whatsoever. It was people it have was literally absurd. died to entertain him and the crowd. <laughs> right, right. And he's right. sort of like yawn. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, I don't see any lions eating these guys, so I'm kind of <laughs> falling asleep here. Buddy, are you ready for five questions? Yeah, of course, always. Buddy, we have five listener submitted questions. Thank you, listeners. Thanks, listeners. According to the film's souvenir program, the film used over one million props. Which Whoa. was your favorite? <laughs> um, I think the knife that he brings Masala oh. when he he shows up and it's like, oh, the the adopted son of this Roman leader is here. Cool. Please see him to my chambers. And the guy, he brings him a knife, and it's like, wow, what a what a grand gift. And then in walks Charlton Heston. He's like, that's right, like with his giant horse I brought you mouth. This knife. Yeah, it's sort of like I brought this knife so you could just stab yourself to death with it, or I could take care of it for you. You choose. <laughs> it was sort of a baller revenge baller prop. move. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good prop. 
Excellent. Uh, second question. When adjusted for inflation, Ben-Hur would be the 13th highest grossing movie of all time. How successful do you think it would be if released today? Not very. Can't get enough screenings in. I mean, a four-hour movie that you're probably cutting two to three viewings per day per screen out. I mean, I just don't think any theater anywhere has the the interest or capacity, even for a really popular film, yeah. to let it cook for months and months and months and months. I mean, you said this probably played for like a year, and I would I would believe it. I believe it's probably been re-released many times, you know, before it was on TV back in the day, Easter weekend, it probably was released a few times. Um, it's a, it's a good movie. It's well made. It's just so long that I can't imagine it doing all that well. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I mean, and if it were released today, it would be on demand, right? Like it would be too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Today, today. I didn't even think about that. Then, yeah. Like or, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just thinking about it in this era, but yeah. Yeah. All right. Sure. Uh, Martha Scott was 45 during filming, only 10 years older than her on-screen son, Charlton Heston. She also played Heston's mother in The Ten Commandments three years prior. Why does Hollywood continue to cast over 40 actresses this way? And can you imagine impregnating a 10-year-old? Oh my gosh. Uh, That's a shockingly outrageous... An inappropriate question, so I'm actually just reeling from that one. Um, as far as the first part of the question, you know, that's just it's just shocking. It's just terrible that Hollywood does that. I don't understand. Like Sally Field and Tom Hanks. Yeah, they were they were they were a love item in Punchline, and, and just then a she's few his years mom. later, she plays Forrest his Gump. mom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, there was a movie, or not a movie, there was a sketch, um, I think it was on the Amy Schumer Yes, it was Inside Amy Schumer, show. yes. Inside Amy Did Schumer. Last... It was like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's a good sketch, and I think it sort of speaks to this phenomenon, doesn't answer the why, but at least really acknowledges it right. in a very funny way. All right. Uh, next question. This is the first and only, uh, this is, okay, this addresses something we discussed earlier. This is the first and only Best Picture Oscar winner to also win Best Special Effects. Why hasn't this occurred again in over 60 years? Because 2001 A Space Odyssey did not win Best Picture. There you go. All right. Great answer. Mm -hmm. Final question, buddy. Uh, This movie ends with a fairly graphic depiction of Jesus' crucifixion. Could you relate to his pain and suffering, having just sat through this three and a half hour long turd? Oh, geez. Uh, nope, nope, can't relate to the torture of Jesus' passion. Nope, not okay. gonna go there. All right. He all right. definitely had the worst of it. Yep. Got it. All right. He it yeah. was worse to be doing. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you, listeners, for those five Thanks, questions. Those were doozies. Uh, Buddy, did the Academy get it right? I think so. I mean, again, I I do think you can say the movie has some slow stretches. I do think there's probably whole subplots you could pull out. But I think for sheer size, scale, grandeur, vastness, 
epicness. I I don't know how you ignore a movie like this. It's huge and it is well done. So yeah, I think they got it right. How about you? Yeah, I, I guess I would agree. I looked at the other best pictures, best picture nominees from that year. The only other one I've seen, and I've seen it multiple times because I love it, is Anatomy of a Murder, the Otto Preminger mm-hmm. film starring Jimmy Stewart. I really love yep. that movie. I would watch that, you know, a hundred more times before I'd watch this a second time, but it's hard really to deny the importance of this film and the vastness and the epic scale of it. Other big movies that year, Some Like It Hot, I love that movie. Other Best Picture nominees were Diary of Anne Frank, I have not seen it, Nun's Story, I have not seen it, and Room at the Top, I have not seen it. So it's a little tough for me to to say for certain, but I, I definitely feel like this is one you can't deny, even though I probably won't see it a second time. Well, uh, I appreciate the opportunity to see it. I, like you, probably won't see it again. But again, if I was flipping through channels and saw that it was on, I probably would watch The Chariot Race again. And there might be a few other moments I'd check out. It is well done. I think it's one of those movies you probably should see at least once. All right, what do we got coming up next? Well, coming up next, we've got another great, grand, soon-to-be-lauded epic, Birds of Prey. With Margot Robbie. This is the DC Comics Suicide Squad sort of sequel with Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn that was in theaters in uh, mid-February and because of COVID-19 was forced to go to VOD right away. It is available for rental uh, on uh, iTunes and Amazon. And I saw it accidentally. Since none of us have anything else to do and Mike already saw it in the theater – we decided we'd check this one out and let you know if you should see it. So check in next week and find out. Thanks for listening to the Spoiler Alert podcast. Please visit us online at movieoutsiders.com where you can see what films we'll be discussing next, comment on our recent episodes, suggest movies to review or topics to discuss, or submit questions for the five questions segment of the podcast. Stop by and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash movieoutsiders And be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Movie Outsiders. If you're a fan of the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast subscription service you use. We'll be back again next week with another episode, but until then, enjoy the movies.